Caleb, that is a uh, tough one to digest. I mean, there's no two ways about it. For, for a number of reasons, too. Anytime you get a, qu- a quality start, a fantastic start from someone like Alec Manoa, seven innings. He labored a little bit. The velo dipped at points, but he still managed to get through seven innings, over 100 pitches thrown, and the crowd, they wanted to cheer for literally anything today. There was a point in this ballgame relatively early on, I think it was the second inning, the third inning maybe, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit a bullet to the right center field wall, and the crowd went nuts. They went nuts. And it just it, I feel so bad for everyone who watched, listened, who was here today at the ballpark because uh, it, was, it was a brutal result because of the 92 World Series celebrations, because the crowd was super into it, and certainly because of a, of a truly spectacular outing from Alec Manoa. Yeah, and I said it at the beginning of the game, the beginning of the broadcast, the only thing that would complete what seems to be a perfect day is a Blue Jays W. I mean, yeah. the crowd was unbelievable. Um, great weather. You had a great start from, from Manoa, like you said. Vladdy hits that ball, the crowd gets into it, you see what could potentially be, and it was just crickets for the rest of the game. Yeah. And it was it was just so disappointing. And just being a fan from this perspective, I was ready to cheer for something, anything, give us anything. And uh, the big 1-7 for the Angels just, just didn't want, want any part of it. And he was dominant today, absolutely dominant, as advertised. He's just been such a great player in the big league since coming over from japan and he just the blue jays had no answer for him and what he was offering up there on the mound yeah that's it's it was pretty ridiculous a pitcher's duel today you don't actually often get those i feel like whenever you hear the touted pitcher's duels one of one pitcher or the other usually falters at some point and pretty much neither of these guys did all game long seven innings from both manoa and shohei otani welcome to jay's talk of course on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali and Caleb Joseph sticking around here at Rogers Center. Uh, give us a call at 416-870-0590, triple star 590 on your cell. You can also text us as well at 590-590. I'll read those uh, in, a little, in a little bit here. Uh, but, yeah, the pitcher's duel. I just I mentioned that Manoa to Caleb. The, the velo dipped a little bit, and I think we've heard the pitchers talk about this, not just this season, but in seasons past, about guys who... They they get into the late August, and we really are here in the dog days of summer. September's just around the corner. They have logged tons of innings. I remember Gossman talked about this. I think it was his last start, the start prior, but he was talking about how I think it was Shy who asked him, hey, I think the velo dipped a little bit, and he kind of just laughed and laughed it off by saying, eh, it's August, right? And I think, again, despite that, Manoa still gutted through seven innings. Yeah, they saw him a little better the third time through, but he still came back with a very efficient seven innings. It's kind of interesting, too. On the day the 1992 World Series champions were celebrated before and during the game, you and Ben spoke to Juan Guzman during the game, which is pretty cool. Uh, it was kind of nice to see some pitch counts and performances right out of 1992 as well. That's right, and that's what he does. He he has done it all season and managing and limiting damage and just being able to manage those pitches. He's unbelievable at it. And that's how he racks up so many innings. And you mentioned the velocity dipping down a little bit. I mean, you go back to 19 for Manoa in A ball, 17 innings, 20, nothing. Just just some kind of 
side pins over at the, the alt site. Then 2021 logs just about uh, 130, and then it jumps right up to 157 now. I mean, it's a lot of innings. And so for a guy that hasn't pitched this late into his major league or even professional career, rather, it, it just does a toll. But that's the great ones. The great ones find a way when they don't have their A stuff to keep their team in the game and he has done that for the last three starts not really having his a stuff but i thought after he struggled a little bit in the first inning he was able to really kind of find that release point and everything started to kind of fall into place he had a couple front hip sinkers looking to left handers that's usually a really good indicator that the action on the pitch is super late and when he's getting his hand positioned in the right spot that's when you get that late action and so when it starts to dive away, he's getting on the side of the ball. And usually the crispness comes from that mechanic too. So, yeah, the velocity is going to creep up and down, fluctuate throughout a season. But what he's been able to do in terms of getting through those innings with 16, 18 pitches, it allows him to go deep. And quite honestly, you, you want Manoa pitching as deep as he can because he's so dominant. Yeah, he has been. I, I Sometimes I think we use the word uh, ace maybe like a little too liberally. And maybe I'm not sure if we're – quite there with Manoa yet I, but you know what if if I'm, I'm not going to quibble with people who choose to use the word ace when it comes to Alec Manoa because he has been at his age to do what he's been doing is is nothing short of phenomenal um it's just it's kind of funny too you look at Manoa and you mentioned he he seemed to get stronger the later he went in this ball game and I remember when he came back from I guess it was Los Angeles at the all-star game and he talked about you know, the guys he spoke to while he was out there, and one of the guys he spoke about very glowingly was Justin Verlander. And Justin Verlander, I mean, has been around the major leagues for, it feels like, forever. And Verlander is that kind of guy. He's the kind of guy who, in the in the sixth inning, seems to reach down into the well and, and really pull something out and give you something you, you've never really seen before. And Alec Manoa... At his age, so at a relatively young age for a starting pitcher, again, he came up pretty early on last year too. It's it's certainly, I mean, I don't want to say he's on that track because Justin Verlander has done some pretty incredible things. But he he, if you can copy anything from Justin Verlander, that's what you want. And and yeah, Alec Manoa turned in another gem today. That's exactly right. And that so many guys come up to the big leagues and they're trying to stick, they're trying to stay, and this guy's just dominating, and he's dominating it with very little experience and with a repertoire that is good, but like you said, the way he's alluding to it, the way he does it, the way he's able to gear back and pull for another four or five miles an hour and really sense that the moment calls for him to empty out the tank, it's a big deal. And so many guys, they come out and they empty the tank out because they're trying to impress, they're trying to stay, they're trying to do a number of different things. He's well beyond his years in terms of like playing maturity. And it's evident, and and a lot of guys talk about this when they talk about him in terms of just his maturity, and you can't say it enough because it's so rare. It's so rare, and so, yes, that's why you start hearing the words ace put together with him because it takes so long for pitchers to figure out how to navigate major league lineups like this in terms of being able to slow it down, be efficient with the pitches, and know when those times are to rear back and empty the tank out because the game situation's calling for it. Yeah. He did it in the first. It allowed him to go four or five more. There were a couple other times where he, his back was against the wall and he reared back. And it's exactly what Verlander does. He's been doing it for years. We'll throw 92-93. By the seventh inning, he's throwing 97-98. And it, it's, it's like a whole different pitch. 
It's pretty crazy. It's it's pretty cool to see from Alec Manoa. Unfortunately, not a lot of run support, no run support for him today in a 2 nothing loss to the Angels. Uh, let's get to the phone lines. Caleb and I are here until 7.45, so we'll take your calls, your texts. Uh, 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cell. Aaron calling in from Toronto. Aaron, happy uh, happy weekend. Welcome to J-Stock. Hey, guys. Wow, that was a sh- that was a short-lived call, Caleb. Oh, he must be using my cell phone. <laughs> I drop calls left and right. All right, well we'll get we'll get Aaron back. If he calls back, we'll try and get him on the line. Um, I will not guess as to what he wanted to talk about because <laughs> it could really could really be anything. Sure, sure. But I, I do want to say, kind of on the on the other half of the Manoa Otani matchup, of course, Shohei Otani. And boy, you were you were you were talking about this with Ben Wagner earlier about how. He had every pitch going today. And, I mean, how, how often do you see that from, from not just a guy who can be as dominant at the plate as he is, but how often do you see that from any pitcher? I mean, most pitchers only have, they have one really good pitch or maybe they have a, a pretty good off-speed pitch or something like that, and then that's kind of it. He had every pitch working today. It's, I, I don't mean to sound like a fanboy, but it just, it's, it's almost unbelievable the kind of stuff you see from Shohei Otani. Yeah, because it's so rare. Yeah. And, starting pitchers if if they have three they're in good shape some of them have four those are kind of the really good ones he was featuring six pitches fastball four seam sinker slider curve change up split it was it's and guys that have that many pitches are usually not really good in any certain category and they try to use trickery to get outs the term jack of all trades master of none applies to those type of guys but he had control and mastery of all six and was using them very effectively and it's you know when the fastball can get up to 100 which it did today got up to a hundred and then you're having to look for all these other different pitches which are which are moving in different ways different shapes it is so difficult to face that especially with a hundred in the back of your mind because he doesn't throw it that much but it is a real weapon and it's so unique I uh, I gotta say too he he plays very well on the base pass. I never know if if Otani is a pitcher who hits very well or if he's a hitter who pitches very well. Yeah, if you want to argue for either of those, I'll, I, again I'm not gonna quibble too much because of the kinds of he's a workhorse, he's a unicorn, unicorn. But he also I mean he hauled his giant frame. I think he's six four and he feels like he's much bigger than that. He hauled that frame up the first base line to beat out what would have been a double play otherwise. And I mean he, he pitches well, he he bats well, and he moves well, which I think. Is not it feels kind of rare for someone that big. It is, and they have two guys like that, Trout, Otani. And until you see it live, it's hard to really put into words what it looks like for a guy of his stature and frame to float around the bases. And remember, that, that would have been two outs, runner at third, would have been Fletcher at third. At that point, you would have had Renjifo, Ford, and Adele. You've got two bases open to yeah. get one out. Maybe he kind of pitches around Renjifo. Maybe a round forward goes to a delta base. Like, you just never know what happens. And, like, double plays are huge momentum shifters, where at that point, first and third, if Otani doesn't beat it out, now you have to have a ground ball to kind of get out of the inning on one pitch. It, it changed the dynamic, and that was a tailor-made double play. It was a one-hopper to him. He turned. He fired. He had really good pace. The, the, the exchange was perfect. The throw to first was perfect, and he just flat-out beat it out. And, look, speed, power, contact ability, great hand-eye coordination. I don't think people talk enough about his ability to foul off tough pitches. I mean, he has extended A-B after A-B after A-B in this series so far. He's just rare. He's unique, and it's why it's why you just kind of you don't you run out of words to describe 
what he is because you just, you don't see it ever. Of course, too, uh, we at the stadium got uh, good Otani today. I, f- I don't know if you saw his game last weekend against Detroit. I think it was on the game's first pitch or, like, the second pitch, a Hunter Green uh, rocket ended up in the outfield seat. So I, I think uh, Otani clearly wanted to bounce back after a bad start against, of all teams, the Detroit Tigers, and here he did that again today. Uh, no runs, one walk, seven strikeouts over seven innings of work, and I think he had a, a season high in pitches as well. I think 109 pitches from Shohei Otani. Okay, let's go back to the phone lines. I think we have Aaron back calling in from Toronto. Aaron, welcome back to Jay's Talk. Hey, guys. Sorry about that. Um, no, no worries. I got to say about Otani first. Um, I've played with him on MLB The Show 2022, and he was better in real life than he was in the video game. Okay. And I, I didn't think that was physically possible. But, yeah, he's an amazing ball player, and I don't think anyone since Babe Ruth has been like this guy. But with that, what I want to point out is something when it comes to the Blue Jays winning percentage. Like, uh, it seems like a, a lot of talk goes around the New York Yankees and how great of a season they're having, but – when we put the Jays in any other division other than the Central in America, like, we're not doing that well. Like, we'd be in fourth place if we were in the National League East. Like, what do you guys think? Do you think we can keep up with the National League, or do you think that there's an imbalance there based on the teams they're playing? Like, Hey, Aaron, I appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in. Have a, have a great weekend as well. Thanks for calling in to Jays Talk. Yeah, you know, the... I, I admit, Caleb, I uh, freely admit I do not watch a ton of NL baseball. I will, I will op- I openly admit that. Having said that, beyond the teams that exist at the top of the standings for the NL, the Mets, probably the Braves, the, uh, the Cardinals are pretty good as well, and they have, they've been on a tear as of late. Paul Goldschmidt is co- competing for the Triple Crown, which is, which is crazy to say at age 34 uh, for, his, for his team, the Cardinals. I, I, honestly, beyond that... I, I do believe because the Jays are a good team. I know they got they've gotten shut out in both games uh, against the Angels. You know, yesterday twelve nothing, today two nothing. So I understand that that makes you feel kind of less than less than enthusiastic. But at the same time, and we kind of talked about this yesterday on Jays Talk as well. People feel like there was a text here. I think uh, someone, Stephen Kalamazoo, just texted in to say this team sucks. And, and here's the thing: I I get it because losses like you saw yesterday and today are never fun. Never ever fun. Having said that, I don't think people would have texted that in after three or four wins in New York or or a sweep in Boston, and, you know, the Red Sox are struggling, but here they are. The Red Sox have won two in a row against a team that has been was really hot, the Tampa Bay Rays. I think that's just a part of baseball, isn't it? Did the team suck before Monday? Right. Uh, they looked like they were about to win the World Series after going into Boston, going into New York, and, and taking care of business. They almost swept the entire road trip. And uh, to the caller's question about the NL team's, this year, they're seven and five against the NL teams, and yeah, you just remember, remember the division this team plays in. It is undoubtedly the most difficult division in yeah, baseball. And yeah. so, when you talk about win percentages, it's going to be slightly skewed because you know you don't have the uh, you don't have these lower teams like the Arizona Diamondbacks in the NL West. You yeah. don't you don't have the NL Central teams like the Cincinnati Reds inside this division. Goodness, look at the worst team in this division who was supposed to be absolutely terrible in the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, my they, gosh. They came in, and they're playing pretty decent baseball. I mean, they're starting to cool off a little bit, but, like, 
they're good teams. Like this whole division is very well rounded where you couldn't say that even last year where Baltimore lost over hundred plus games. So it's all relative, right? You just you look at matchups when it comes to the end of the season. Like just who are, who would they potentially match up with and then do you like it? Well, for me personally, you just look at this offense. The offense is really good. Like they're in the top five in every category, even though they've been shut out in two straight games. They're they're still a really really good offense. And then you look at the top three guys because only three starters are going to pitch in the playoffs. Yeah, I like Gosman. I like Manoa. Brio sort of scares me, but I like how that whole thing sets up. So against any team, I I, I just I like where they're at. Do I think they stack up? Like yes, like. Are there teams that might be a little bit better? Possibly. But once the seat once once the season's over and playoffs start, anything can happen. All you, you yeah, just gotta you true. gotta hit it at the right time and you gotta have really good players. And the Jays have really good players. They just gotta get in and then roll a dice. That's what you do for hundred and sixty two. You play to potentially roll the dice in October. Look at last year. Were the Atlanta Braves the best team no in the one big leagues last them year? To win the World exactly. Yeah. It's baseball. All you have to do is get in, show. Yeah, I mean, look. If, even if you just narrow the conversation to the American League beyond the Yankees, which I, I who are, are a good ball club that I still think are flawed because they have some, they have some pretty important, they have some big injuries at important spots like Clay Holmes and Michael King and so on. So we'll see if that bullpen can hold up going forward. They look a lot better since Giancarlo Stanton has rejoined the team. Uh, certainly, the Houston Astros are a very, very good team. But beyond the Yankees and Astros. The the rest of the the next tier of team in the American League is is all sandwiched together. They're all sandwiched. Together. The Rays, the Blue Jays themselves. You can probably put the Baltimore Orioles in that conversation. The Guardians, the Twins, the Mariners. Like those are if if you finish and if you like threw a dart at the order of what when those teams are going to finish between now and the first week of October when the regular season ends, there's nobody would be wrong at this. Great point. call. That's great. It's a great call, and that, and that's it. And so. Look, when a lot of people a lot of people start to diagnose this team, it is easy to start pointing fingers at certain spots, right? But those spots are only important for games 100, I mean from games 1 to 162. Once, you know what I mean? It's like who cares about the fifth starter during a playoff series? Like it, it's it's irrelevant. So you look at how they match up in a potential playoff setting, and I like it. I like it. I I'm not I'm not Debbie Downer on this team. Even after being shut out twice, they've they've got to they've got to find a way to continue to win games, get into the playoffs, and then roll the dice, see what happens. Because the big boy out there, I like I like what what he did today. I, I like him in a playoff setting. I, I think the best is yet to come. If you put Alec Manoa in a playoff setting, Gosman's been there. He's got dominant stuff. And then who knows if Brios shows up? Goodness, I mean. Hitters show up. You just never know what can happen. Hey, maybe the third starter is Ross Stripling at this point. Maybe that's maybe a we'll, dark we'll horse. See, we'll see tomorrow, right? But Love it. He has been absolutely phenomenal since since uh, since Ryu had the TJ surgery and Stripling joined the rotation on a permanent basis because he kind of had been ping ponging back and forth. Since he rejoined the rotation on a permanent basis, he has been lights out. Truly, I'm actually very much looking forward to seeing him pitch tomorrow. MVP. In my opinion, he is the MVP of the Toronto Blue Jays. And people are going to go, how in the world can you say that with Manoa, with even Vladdy on the team? Well, just look what's happened when he's been out. And look what he's done. I'm not sure there's a pitcher in the big leagues that has a save and a win. You know, I'm not sure there is. He has it. He's done everything for that team. And when he's been able to be on the field, which has been almost all the season, He's been so good for them. He stabilizes them so well. Really smart guy. Knows how to pitch. For me, he's the MVP of the team. 
That is Caleb Joseph. I'm Show Alley. You're listening to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cell. Go back to the text line uh, in a sec. Adam calling in from the West Coast, calling in from Vancouver. Welcome to Jay's Talk, Adam. Hey, guys. How's it going? Love the show. Thanks for calling in, Adam. Yeah, How's your weekend going? Good, good. Gorgeous here in Vancouver. Sounds Other good. than watching the Jays game I just watched, uh, everything's <laughs> been great. Sure. Go ahead. So I just uh, just want to talk about the you know the, the inconsistencies of this team. Like you know I'm not going to say that they suck like that one texter did, but even when they're winning, like all year long, I haven't have have you guys seen them sweep or dominate a team that's doing well? Like one series this year where they dominated or played really well throughout the whole series against a team that is being successful, that is playing currently really well. Like the Yankees, they swept the, or they won three out of four, but clearly at that point in time, they weren't playing very well. It's just, they're, uh, I, you know, I admit I'm a pessimist, but they are a, a frustrating team to watch because they win a bunch of games and everyone, you know, you listen to fans and media, they're all, uh, looks like they're starting to turn it around. And then all of a sudden, it, it goes the other way. Then they lose the next five out of six or something like that. It's just uh, just difficult to watch. And love the Jays, so it's hard. That is Adam from Vancouver. Hey, thanks for the call, man. Uh, enjoy enjoy your weekend. You know, I, I there is some there is something to what Adam said in the in the sense that if someone had called in Caleb. I think it was maybe it was last week, and they'd called in to say that Blue Jays sometimes play up to the level of their opponents, and also sometimes play down to the level of their opponents. And certainly we've talked a lot about the three out of four wins in New York, the three wins uh, at Fenway in Boston from a couple days ago. And then the Angels come in, and the Angels just got canned by the Rays before this series. And then two straight shutout wins for Los Angeles over Toronto. It's, it is, I think, I, I feel what Adam's saying because the team is so good that it is maddening when they don't get to execute or they just don't execute straight up as well as you know they can, because you see it so often. Youth. One word. Youth. And even though Blue Jays fans have seen Bo Bichette for a while now, have seen Vlad- Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for a while now, still takes time to learn and understand how to win consistently in the big leagues. I mean, I, I thought I knew what I was doing my first two or three years in the big leagues, and it didn't hit me until about year four or five exactly what really needs to happen, like exactly what it takes. And it sounds simple, it sounds cliche, but again, every every World Series champion, their story has a different storyline. So it's there's not a real clear, if you win 110 games, you will win the World Series. If you win this amount of games, if you look this way in June, if you perform this way against good teams, you, there is no real formula otherwise people would be chasing that so i do understand yes you want to see those streaks of goodness 10 out of 12 more times than not but again like i said the division is so tough this year that it's going to be really difficult to string those together in years past where there have been two teams in the east that have not been very good whether it was even last year with a a orioles team losing 100 plus games that you start adding these little pocket games in there, and that's when you start to build these really big, impressive 9-2, and two, whatever type of winning streaks. But it is tough. I, I just I continue to, if you believe in the talent, when it stacks up in a three- or four-game series, I you just 
it you can't you try try your best not to get emotional when it comes to looking over the course of 162 and it just we just referenced the Braves. I mean, nobody saw that coming, no, but no. Look at the, ha- the Nationals in 2019, exactly. remember that? Man, they Same were team. they were like what 15 games below 500 in in what May or June, and they still won the World Series and that I, year. And I might be going on a limb here, but like I see so many comparables in that both of those teams had really good players and just didn't really they didn't win 115 games. You right. know, they didn't run away with this massive amount of of wins. And even look at the Yankees; they're they're goodness, they were on pace to win what 120 games or something. People are talking about the whatever it was 2000 Mariners, whatever year that was. Right. And look at what happens. I mean, just roadblock immediately. So if you believe in the talent, if you believe in, in how they would stack them in a three-game series, just get there. Just get there. They didn't get there last year. And they got there in 20, but they didn't have the pieces. They didn't even get there last year. So let's just get there, and then then let's dissect this team when it really counts in a three-game series against the best. Because quite honestly, all 162 is preparation to the end. That is Caleb Joseph. I'm Ali. You're listening to Jay's Talk. On the Sportsnet Radio Network, we're going to step aside, take a very quick break. When we come back, the Bet365 standings update. And also we'll get back to your phones, phone lines, your phone calls, and, of course, the text line as well. You can text us at 590-590. But, again, you're listening to Jay's Talk Show and Caleb on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali and Caleb Joseph sticking around with me here to talk about the Blue Jays dropping a second straight game to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. A 2-0 defeat for the Blue Jays today, despite a spectacular effort from Alec Manoa. But, of course, Shohei Otani had another truly spectacular effort of his own on the other side. Blue Jays lose 2-0. They're going into the, well, not a rubber match now, but the third game of this three-game series tomorrow. Uh, before we get back to your phone lines, phone calls, and the uh, text line, let's get to the Bet365 standings update. Bet365 is the world's favorite sports book with 63 million members worldwide, 19-plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. So if we look at these standings as of today, so the Yankees are playing in about a couple of hours. The Baltimore Orioles are in action right now against the Houston Astros. Zeros there, but they did win 2 nothing at Minute Maid Park yesterday, which was I got to say, a very impressive win considering the Astros might be the most dangerous team in the American League. The, uh, the uh, Orioles going into Houston and taking that first game. But uh, the Red Sox doing the Blue Jays a favor for the second straight day. Yesterday, a wild one. The uh, Red Sox winning 9-8. to Today, the Red Sox winning 5-1 to behind seven strong innings from Rich Hill. 11 strikeouts, no runs at age 42. Terrific stuff from Rich Hill today. So this is how the, the, the standings shake out. Yankees 78 and 48, Tampa Bay they are 69 and 57 with the loss. The Blue Jays with their loss 68 and 57, so a half game back. The Baltimore Orioles 66 and 59. They are two games back of the Blue Jays and the Boston Red Sox with their two straight wins are 62 and 65. So we look at the wild card standings, Caleb. The uh, Astros, Yankees, and Guardians still lead their divisions, and the wild card right now. The Mariners and the Blue Jays are both 69 and 57, so I guess that would mean the Mariners have the slight edge because they took the season series, mm-hmm. and uh, the Blue Jays are uh, are just in third place there. So it's part of me it goes Mariners, Rays, Blue Jays, and uh, the Mariners play later tonight. Mm-hmm. It's going to be real interesting, and for me, it's it's the Blue Jays' position to be taken from. I, I think out of those teams, I I think the Blue Jays are the best team. And I think the Rays are on a little bit of a heater. I think they're a good team. I don't think they're as good as they have been 
in years past. I think they're they're just playing some really good baseball right now. The Mariners do scare me a little bit in in that acquisition of Castillo oh, yeah. just bolstered them. I mean, he is – I have faced him, and he is no fun. That changeup is something else. So they're, they're going to be kind of a scary team to watch. But ultimately, I think it's the Blue Jays' position to lose. I, I would agree with you. I still think it's going to be there's, – there's, there's some ground to be made up here again. And, again, I know we said this about the Angels coming into this series that the Angels were a, a team that had just gotten canned a couple times – well, even before the Angels, the Rays series, and you never, I, I try not to schedule watch too, too much and say, okay, you should win two out of three or three out of four against Team A, Team B, or Team C because baseball is so chaotic, and I feel even maybe even more than any other of the, of the uh, major sports in North America, maybe more than basketball, maybe more than football, and maybe more than hockey, where one individual play can so greatly affect the outcome, like even not a scoring play, but just the can so greatly affect the outcome of a game. So. With that in mind, I, I do think a series against the Cubs coming up starting on Monday mm-hmm. here. People are going to see Marcus Stroman back in town, I think, for the first time since he, since he, was, uh, since he left. I believe so. so. That's going to be pretty fun. Uh, but the Cubs in town, they're not a great team. And then going to PNC Park in Pittsburgh to take on the Pirates, also not a great team. They still have some dangerous players. O'Neill Cruz is a very exciting guy to watch for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Brian Reynolds as well. But, again, these are teams that... In theory, in theory, Caleb, the sure. Blue Jays should win against. Yep, and and you, as a player, you you kind of look at it when you're trying to evaluate. You look at it from a three game set. You look at it from a seven game set, and then like a ten game set. So, you know, it's so easy to look in, at this one specific game and just to get overwhelmed. Well, look look in the span of a ten game set. Well, the teams you just mentioned, Cubs, Pirates. I think the Rangers are next after that too. Even Rangers. Yeah, I yeah. mean, so when you start to look at that, would as Jays fans, would you take a seven and three over ten games, no matter kind of who it is against? Yes. And so yeah, I, I just it's easy to get locked up in in the first two of maybe a ten game stretch, but if they roll off seven out of eight, there's seven out of ten total. Boom, you're in good you're in a good space, and that's what that's what guys are always looking at is over 15 games, over 10 games, over a month. Where do you stack up? Because if you start looking day to day, there's just too many games. And you're going to ride that emotional roller coaster. And I'll tell you, as a player, you you just don't think about that stuff. You yeah. you just think about the task at hand each and every day. And when you need to talk about it, you talk about it. But if there's if if it's just you're running into to ebbs and flows of the season where you're hitting a little bit of a speed bump, that's just over 162. It's inevitable, and so. From a fan's perspective, which I have now, it's totally different. You're kind of living and dying with every single game. It's totally not the case as a player. As a player, you're looking long-term. You're trying to look at that 30,000-foot view because you can't ride that emotional roller coaster. And I think this is a this is a pocket where they can run off 7 out of 10. And then fans are calling in thinking, hey, we got a great chance. So it's, 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 it's funny how violent the ebbs and flows of a baseball season can take you. Kale, we only have a couple minutes left here. So before we go, I do want to ask you a lot of texts. I'm not going to read them all because there are a lot of similar ones, but a lot of texts on Bo Bichette and Bo Bichette's relatively, relative struggles. And you and I were talking pregame about how gen- even despite the, the down year, he's still having a quote-unquote average year. I'm curious, what, what have you made of Bo Bichette real quick? I know we basically have like 60 seconds here, but what do you, what do you think of Bo Bichette's play, not just today, but in this, in this whole 2022 season so far? Yeah, above average. I mean, everybody's so accustomed to him at a, at a – a elite level, and I, I, Blair has has covered this in in Jay's talk in in goodness the last week or so. Sometimes you just don't have it right. And what's missing from Bo Slug? That's really what's missing in terms of the homer. Because goodness, he hit his thirty. I think it was uh, thirty 
first double, uh, and he's goodness, he's in the top ten in hits. I mean, he's he's actually hitting the ball. It's just it's the homer that's missing. And there are years when you just something mechanically is off. You just don't have it. And he's grinding. And I talk to Bo all the time. And it, the word he uses, I'm grinding, man. I'm, I'm grinding. And, like, some years you might come in with a different strategy. You might come in even trying to, like, maintain. But it just doesn't happen. And he's grinding. And so, yes, a lot of talk about Bo and, like, his inability with this, his inability with that. But he's a big cog in this wheel. And he's really producing. It's just the slug that's standing out. I am looking forward to seeing – what Bo looks like the rest of the year, but certainly if he can maybe even just a little bit reset. Sure. And that's Caleb Joseph. Caleb, this was fun, man. You got it. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks for sticking around, man. That does it for Jay's Talk tonight. Appreciate the calls and texts as always. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feature Wild Side baseball fans. Jays get shut out by the Angels. A 2-0 defeat here at Rogers Center, but tomorrow, Ross Stripling heads to the mound. For Caleb Joseph, Stephen Coyle, Armin Zargarian, and Tom Young, I'm Show Alley. Blair and Barker are back to put a bow on the Angels series on Sunday afternoon. Talk to you then.